Bloody Elbow presents the MMA Vivisection, the show that gives you a comprehensive breakdown and expert analysis of all the fights happening on this weekend's UFC card. Here are your hosts, Zane Simon and Connor Rebush. Hey everybody, welcome back to the MMA Vivisection with me, Zane Simon, and my co-host, as always, Connor Rebush. We're here once again to talk about this week's UFC card going down at the O2 Arena in London, England. Headlined by a welterweight title fight, the trilogy match between Leon Edwards and Kamaru Usman. Right now, though, we're talking about the prelim card with a featured prelim bout between Jack Shore and Makwan Amir Khani. That's right. And it's um, a pretty easy fight to understand, I think. Is that going to be your new catchphrase that I have to like? What's that? That's right. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is it good? Uh, we'll workshop it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, you know me. I'd much rather be saying that's wrong to you. But in this case, you <laughs> happens to be on the money. It's true. I did say all of the things that were right in front of me on the piece of paper. That's right. That is, in fact, the featured prelim. Yeah. Um, piece of paper? Well, computer <laughs> thing. Whatever. <laughs> You're not looking at a piece of paper. You no, I don't. That's that wrong, Zane. I don't even know what paper is anymore. That's wrong. Okay. Um, yeah, pretty straightforward. My iPad. <laughs> um, <laughs> you got to use iPads, though. You know, mm-hmm. the, the off-brand tablets just aren't as soft. Oh, no, no, no. The Android? My God. <laughs> Kidding me? Um, yeah, sure. Amerikani is a pretty straightforward fight to understand, largely because of Makwan Amerikani. Yeah, yeah. We we were talking about guys. We were talking about on the main card, Vivi, how SB Ireland is a hallmark not only of fighters at the bottom end who have failed to improve at all. Well, I just failed to even get good. Yeah, or failed to get good, but also fighters at the top end who just religiously fail to improve. Yeah. And man, Makwan Amirkani, like, we are, what, uh, eight years now past his UFC debut, his electrifying yep. UFC debut. And uh, what feels like seven years into a just a complete, uh, I'd call it a plateau if it didn't feel more like a slump. Like, it's not like the guy still doesn't win fights still. Yeah. But yeah, they all follow exactly the same pattern. It is really kind of regrettable because Amir Khani really seems like a guy who could have been a really good fighter. Yeah. The t- with the, a different camp, someone who helped him solve his issues and, and get over his uh, desperate need to just shock people out of the gate. And if that doesn't work, then to just sort of slowly crumble or yeah. quickly and crumble was- and then slowly lose. The worst part is that was watching him try because he had this yeah. whole course correct phase. Yeah. Um, from the uh, Danny Henry win, the Edson Barboza loss. Yep. To the Larone Murphy. Uh, to, or to Dan, it was really, I think it's just Edson Barboza, Camuela Kirk. Or, no, no, no. There was a time there where he was trying to be Conor McGregor. Yeah, it was. It was. I, I, I got it wrong. It's the Shane Burgos fight, I think. 
to like Camuela Kirk. Yeah. Um, he was trying to like counter more and be more patient. And it's he like, spent all this time on his boxing and that's what we we're hearing about and all that. And you get out there and you're like, none of this looks fight ready. Yeah. I mean, you could see, you could some, see what he was working on, but some it, of it showed up, but it, it wasn't any more sustainable than his other style. Like the core yeah. issue wasn't solved. And at a certain point he would just go back to being, you know, either, a, either the same or a worse version of the Mach 1. Without, well, it was, you just got, you got late fight Makwan Amir Khani without ever getting early fight Makwan Amir Khani. Yeah, exactly. He just took away all the dynamic early offense and replaced it with guy who sits on his back foot and waits for you to punch him. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's not that he couldn't find some of the counters he was looking for. It's just that like, okay, what's the game though? <laughs> yeah. What's gonna be the a game? Artist now? Uh-huh. Um, I- so yeah, Makwan Amirkani is a guy. It, I like. I sort of like the fact he seems to have basically given up on that. Yes, I love that too. He's That's, just like, ah, I'm gonna go back to being at least the guy who shocks people early. One out of every three fights. Exactly. Yeah, I'm just gonna. Which is another just a damning sign for SBG as a a a fighter development camp that is like at a certain point the guy tries the stuff you were working on with him and then you just he gives up and you just allow him to. You're like, ah. <laughs> I guess we were wrong. <laughs> anyway, you know, we give him a shout out every not not just once per like episode record, like, you know, once per main card undercard, but at least once per main card and once per pre- prelim Vivi. But Hooft would never. Could you imagine him yeah, letting you just like disappoint absolute, him? No, absolutely not. Yeah, you'll you'll at least be hearing about it every time you disappoint him. If you can't change, it's entirely because of something wrong with you. Yeah. He's doing his best. Yeah. Yeah. It probably would have been a great camp. <laughs> we say this for so many fighters. Clearly, we're just massive Henry Hooft fanboys while <laughs> acknowledging his flaws. You know, like yeah. guy has his problems as a corner man. Yeah, there are. There are his all- process they, destroys they, fighters sometimes that yeah. can't learn his ways. But um yeah, he's got a system that works. And we're, but really, all we are is we just love systems. And it's exactly. Not, he's yeah. one of the few camps out there where you just get to see the whole thing laid out, picture perfect, clear yeah. for you. This is like, the oh. most like a like a Cuban or Russian boxing coach that we have in MMA. He's like, no, yeah. no, no, no. There's a way you're supposed to do it. This is what you do. If you're not doing it right, you can add your flavor or whatever. But if you're not yeah. doing the correct things... Get the fuck out. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's Henry Oof. That's why we it, like him. He's the process it's nice, guy. It's a nice base point for to talk about stuff because then it's just like, okay, well, think, you know, think about it yeah. in relation to an actual system that actually tries to do things. It can't you have know. made Makran Amirkani less successful over time. Yeah. You know, to have gotten to a camp like that. Anyway, as it is, he's gone back to being Makwan Classic, which is uh, a guy who goes absolutely nuts early is quite a good wrestler of quite a good grappler, very difficult to tangle with and finds himself difficult to tangle with. Yeah. And sooner or later gases. And, you know, like I got to give, uh, Makwan credit that like, even after he gases, it's not like he stops fighting. No, he, he doesn't like crumble in that way where he just gives up. He just burns himself out. Yeah. He sees the wall. You can see it in his eyes too. Yeah. Yeah, he keeps he, trying, but it's just doesn't yeah. he just loses it. Yeah. He knows that he has he knows that he's fucked up, 
He's just yeah. is not going to course correct. So basically, Jack Shore is the opposite. Like Jack Shore yeah. is a super consistent, very intelligent and process driven fighter. Yeah. And, um, you know, he lost to Ricky Simone, who was just on an absolute tear, but was still making a good effort in that fight. Otherwise, he's had plenty of fights where he's run into some difficulties in the first round and found a way to adjust. Mm-hmm. Um, Shore is a guy who will find the most straightforward path to beating you and stick to it. Yeah, he's he's got that very, like, he's got one of MMA's most fundamentally easy to build game plans yeah which is i am walking for i am pressuring and i am moving in on you i am either going to punch you or i'm going to take you down guess yeah he's exactly what you want out of a well-rounded fighter and that he's very strategically flexible yeah and then if you come to him he's right there ready to counter it yep. is, you know, he's learned how to fight off his back foot and be really effective. Yep. And he's learned how to fight off his front foot and be really effective. And none of it might be the most creative thing that you've ever seen in your life. Yeah. But it is very fundamentally sound. Yeah. Makwin Amikani is creative. You know, look yeah. where it's gotten him. Jack Shore yeah. uses the jab. Yeah. <laughs> and it works a treat. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, it's basically like no doubt this will be somewhat competitive. I'm very excited to see some grappling exchanges between uh-huh. these guys if we get them in the early going. Shore may very well decide that he just doesn't have to grapple with Amir Khani. Yeah, I, and, would, be, and, I, would, I would assume that he will just yeah. kind of not, frankly. He doesn't have to. I don't think yeah. he would lose if he does, and I'd love to see it. They're yeah. both great grapplers, but um, he may very well just take a very patient approach in the first round, let Amir Khani take his risks, mm-hmm. punish him with jabs and straight right-hand counters. Um. And then just build on him from there. It's a pretty easy fight to pick for Jack Shore. Yeah, really. Again, another of uh, going back to the main card show, like another of several just picks for consistency. Mm-hmm. That yeah, we've, we've made got already. A, we've got a whole run here uh, that we're on, kind of from Gunnar Nelson down, where it's just like, well, you know, they might these people might all have flaws in their game, but. They hit their marks all the time. Yep. And Amir Khani does not. Famously. Yep. Famously yep. does not. <laughs> That's kind of his thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the only real concern at all for sure is, and we've seen this already come up. We always knew it would come up. I don't know that going up to featherweight will actually change anything for him. <clears throat> I don't know that it'll make anything worse for him either. But, uh, we always knew that it would come up that he was going to hit a physical wall where yeah. he's just, you know, it's a pretty simple game he's playing. Yeah. And, and he's a solid point, athlete, but he doesn't yeah. blow, blow you away. Yeah. And at some point he's going to start hitting athletes who just, they don't have to make any of the, de- the decisions. They don't have to answer yeah. any of the questions he asks. It's a credit to him that he's still competing with these guys. Like, yeah, he was competing with Ricky Simone. He beat Timor Valley very impressively, and that's yeah. another superior athlete. It's a credit Hunter to how smart is. Yeah. You know, a, a good athlete who's very who raw, but a great athlete. Yeah. yeah, and yeah, Jack Shore is in there having just such a well put together game and being such an intelligent fighter that he's beating these guys and competing with the ones he can't beat. But 
uh, yeah, but, that's still going to be a limitation for him against the elite. Yeah, and there will be there could be moments in this where you know, like Amir Khan, he has the potential to be that yeah, yeah. kind of guy. He could yeah. go out there and hit a double leg on shore and take his back. Yeah, like right sure. away. Might bank around doing that for sure. Yeah, but it's just sure will he will always make the right decision. You have to, you have to beat him. And you have to beat him consistently over and over and over again. You can't just be, oh, I got one good spot and that was it. Because sure, he'll defend things the right way. He'll make the right read. He'll make the right move. He's, you know, he's prepared. And uh, so, yeah, I got to pick him to beat beat Amir Khani here. Mm -hmm. Odds on the fight. Shore is a commanding minus 500 favorite. And uh, Makwan Amir Khani sitting in the neighborhood of about plus 375 to plus 390. Yeah, uh, Shore opened at minus 350, currently minus 513. <clears throat> Amir Khani plus 285, currently plus 380, or 377. So those odds are only getting wider. Say this. About a few fighters every time, it seems like, or one fight every time. I feel like this is probably the this is, this is probably the backbone of many parlays right now. Mm-hmm. I would assume it's that like yeah. this is that fight that you're you know you're picking five or six other fights or whatever. You're making some stupid pick, or you've got ten parlays running. I don't I don't know how gambling works. I'm just throwing shit out there. Um, but sure, get a sure by decision or sure, sure, you know, short, not by maybe not even by decision, but sure to win is in it, all of them because <laughs> it's just such an easy mm-hmm. pick to make. All right, that brings us to a very not easy pick to make mm-hmm. Chris Duncan, Omar Morales, and um, Omar Morales, man, yeah, you know. I don't know who told him to do this. He he is a hoofed guy, which, uh, you know, maybe he's showing the limits of the hoofed style. Mm-hmm. But I don't know who told Omar Morales to do this. But whoever told him that he needed to go down to featherweight yeah. should be shot out of a cannon into the sun. Yeah, a dreadful idea, which I'm I'm quite certain we called from the start as a dreadful idea, and it yeah. proved it proved out that way. And it makes me wonder too if it's shot his confidence in the process. Yeah, because this man was a very good sized, functional, lightweight fighter, muscular <clears throat> lightweight fighter, mm-hmm. and. He dropped down into a fight with Giga Chikadze. There was an absolute mistake mm-hmm. at any weight. It would have been a really tough fight for him because his whole thing is equal exchange kickboxing matches and going against a more practiced, dynamic mid-range kickboxer is just going to be impossible. It's just going to be tough. Yeah. And then, you know, you get Shane Young. Sure, Shane Young has a tendency to go away in fights. You beat him. But, you know, you start losing to Jonathan Pierce. And 
Yeah, especially going down a weight class, you don't want to be losing to the control grapplers in the lower weight class. Yeah. And you go back up and you prove the whole thing about the Giga Chikadze fight where you fight Uros Medic. And it's like, yeah, you're still going to have problems with a one-for-one distance kickboxer. Yeah. Turns out cutting weight didn't make any difference except your, your problems. I mean, how many times do we see this in MMA? Yeah. Cutting weight is, while everyone talks about, and I believe them, what a difficult process it is to go through, it's the kind of difficult fighters can understand. Like, yeah. it's just a matter of willpower, really, mm-hmm. that you can just go through it. Um, and so it's a very simple change to make. Yep. And changing your style, improving your technique, like grappling with why you're actually losing fights is hard. Is, is hard. Yeah, it's hard. It takes you. It causes. It forces you to challenge yourself uh, mentally and to challenge your view of yourself and to admit mistakes. And yeah, changing I mean, weight classes is very easy from that perspective. This would be a stupid little tangent, but I was actually thinking about this the other day. Of like, how often do I actually think of myself as being represented by the thing I did today? Hmm. You know, where I'm like, oh, yeah, I, you know, was I had an interaction with somebody today and I made a joke or I snapped at somebody or something like that. How often then do I use that in any given day to reflect and be like, oh, yeah, well, that makes, you know, I'm a jokey guy. I made jokes. I'm I'm being I'm funny and I do funny things or. I snapped somebody, oh, I have, you know, a short temper. I should work on my temper or whatever. What you're saying is you're not an introspective person. No, I, <laughs> I'd say how introspective, how it yes. is difficult to be introspective. It yes. is difficult to be introspective, it's, you know, just in, in day-to-day stuff. We do all sorts of stuff all the time that we take for granted is just. Yeah. And even when you are being introspective, you, it tends to be relatively shallow. Yeah. And you're like, you're very good at apologizing for your behavior. Yeah, exactly. There's so a lot of stuff we do every day where you don't, you're not going to learn anything from it. Not most things you do day in, day out aren't learning moments. Yeah. And most of the stuff you introspect on is uh, reflecting things you sort of already know, right? You're yeah. Like confirming your own biases. And so it, it is really honestly difficult to have to go through and be like, of course, yeah. Uh, this thing happened to me in this fight. What is that indicative of yeah. about me? I want to be clear. I'm not changing. knocking uh, no. fighters at large when I say that. Like, I'm acknowledging yeah. that it is difficult. I'm not saying, oh, they're taking the easy path. It's just it yeah. explains why so many fighters do go for the weight cutting because it's yeah, it's very easy to wrap your head around. Oh, if I'm bigger, I'll be better. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not. I do, you know, I know size is a factor. I know strength is a factor in MMA. People, we do have weight classes for a reason. We need to, you know, there needs to be some sort of comprehensive reimagining of the weight class zeitgeist out there, but it always is going to have to exist. Mm -hmm. But I will say that I do honestly believe that, 10 pounds is never going to be the difference between you winning and losing a fight. Yeah. If you are winning or losing based on 10 pounds, the problem is that you're not good enough. You know, 
Yeah. It's almost not, always it is it's yeah. a skill it's a skill or style difference that really decides these things. Exactly. Skill, style, or some kind of physicality that can't be altered by just dropping more weight. Yeah. If your if your margin of victory is ten pounds, then the margin of victory is not real. Basically. Yeah. I think that's a pretty good rule of thumb. Anyway. Anyway, it clearly didn't work for Omar Morales and yeah. it it may have worsened his chances as a lightweight. I'm I'm not sure. As you pointed out, like Uros Medic has a lot in common with Giga Chikadze, who also roundly thrashed Morales. Yeah. So I the think big- that's just a tough kind of matchup for him anyway, but he certainly got shut down a lot more easily after returning to lightweight after his uh, yeah. unsuccessful venture at 145. The, the big thing is that he has taken three hard losses now. Each yeah. one is getting becoming more definitive. Yeah. And especially the JSP fight, he just looked like really frustrated by that fight. Yeah. And he's 37. And oh, yeah. mm-hmm. these are his first losses that he's hitting. The chances of him being able to course correct out of what was pretty much a really brief window to make any kind of run. Mm-hmm. This seems like it's closing in a hurry. And all of this going into a fight that is extremely winnable. This is a very winnable fight for Omar Morales. Yeah. This is a fight that every version of Omar Morales should win. Um, but I, you know, the alarm bells have to be sounded because Chris Duncan is going to go out there and he's just going to try to put the screws to Morales. Yeah. And Morales looks like he is mentally deteriorating. Yeah. He looks like he's in a place where he is increasingly frustrated. And, uh, you know, we saw in the fight with, uh, Medich was every time Morales needed felt like he was getting hurt or felt like the fight was going against him, he would brawl forward. Mm -hmm. He would just start swinging wild and chasing after Medich. And for a guy whose whole thing previously was just controlled, calculated, single-strike violence, that is not great. Um... I mean, the thing with Duncan is it's just Duncan's best fight is is going to be him punching at the same time that you punch. Yeah. And may, one of you falls down and it might be him <laughs> yeah. and it might not be. And if it if it is him, he's going to do it again. And if it's not him, he's going to do it again. Yeah. Like there's no there will be no course correction. The car crashes the whole of the thing. And even a little bit of like flash and technique can entirely derail him. Yeah. I, I think the best sign for Morales is that this doesn't look like a fight that is really capable of frustrating him un- unless he's just like broken because yeah, he's going to get opportunities to trade a hard shot for a hard shot. Um, the, like, the fight, the fight is going to come to him. And I think that's been a big problem is that against Pierce, the wrong kind of fight came to him. Yeah. He didn't know how to get out of it. And against Chikadze and uh, Medich, he couldn't get the fight he needed. Yeah. It was contested at a range and at a pace from that range that he just isn't equipped to handle. But against Duncan, it's either going to be like the, the, the fight is happening at his range where he's comfortable 
or it's a fight where he can at least trade shot for shot. And Morales has usually been pretty effective in those kinds of exchanges. Yeah. He's a puncher. He's a, he's, clean, he's a clean striker when he yeah. when his game is on, when he's controlled. Yes. When he feels like he has command of the distance, very clean striker. Yeah. So it just yeah, the matchup feels more than anything like a referendum on where Morales is at because I think if, yeah. he's still, if he's still capable of getting back on track or recapturing <clears throat> some of the form he had against like Benitez, then it, it looks like a a very winnable fight. Yeah, like you look at Duncan's fights with Borshov and Campbell, and like they're both just full of Duncan getting hurt all the time. And the big thing that made the difference in the Borshov fight was that Borshov or Borshov knew how to circle off mm-hmm. so that when Duncan kept charging forward, initiating this same mad clash every time over and over again, eventually it was just like, well, I know that there's a counter right here waiting. Mm-hmm. And I think that Morales can do that. It's not his, you know, it's not the thing he's best at. But he's got enough in his game, enough counter ability and enough sharpness at distance that he can force predictability out of Campbell or out of Duncan, yep. rather. Yep. So I'll still pick Morales, but I did have to open with a big like alarm mm-hmm. bells are ringing. Man, this guy should never have. He, he was on such a good, like even path of success. Whoever advised him to change it up just absolutely needs to be flogged. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, odds on the bout. Now that I've uh, now that I have de- demanded capital punishment for the crime of athlete mismanagement, uh, Morales is a favorite. Pretty much dead even odds. Open at minus 125, currently minus 117. Duncan opened at plus 105, currently minus 106. That brings us to a lightweight bout. Sam Patterson, Yanal Ashmoz. And uh, this, this is a Joe Silva-ass fight, except that Joe probably would not have hired either of these guys. How do you mean? That it is a cartoon comedy, like Laurel and Hardy style. Physical physical mismatch. Physical mismatch. Yeah. I mean, Ashmo's should be actually here. He he has a game that is ready. It's probably ready for featherweight. I know I just went on my big screed about weight cutting. But uh, as a five foot nine, uh, kind of brick shit house dude, he's probably destined to be down a division. He will be giving up six inches of height and nine inches of reach to mm-hmm. Sam Patterson, who just does not look ready to be here. I actually like sort of the shape of Sam Patterson's game. Sure, he's he's um. Something I always like to see in MMA is the the tall guy who likes being in close. Yeah. Um and yeah, like there's something interesting there that he's mm-hmm. he's he's trying to build. Like th- this is a guy who has height and reach and yeah, he'll sling one twos at people and stay at bay, but he will also just 
step in and try to land. He can land some nice uppercuts and like short right hooks. Yeah. He will punch his way into like a double collar tie and, and land some nasty knees. And he has a little bit of like a double underhook takedown game as well. Yeah. Like he's got some good tall guy. When I say he shouldn't be here, I don't mean that he can't get here. Yeah. I just mean the gaps in his game are big enough to be major causes for concern for a fighter at at his stage of development. Yeah. One thing I'll say that he he has going for him is – you know, he's fought some decent wrestler grapplers mm-hmm. and hasn't just been like wiped out by them. Like he he's a, again, like a, a tall guy who's fairly solid in the clinch. Yeah. Usually he can get a, a shot attempt up to the fence where he can he manages to defend a lot of shot wrestlers, mm-hmm. which is really all Oshmo's has. Uh, Oshmo's can he, he can sling some leather too. Oh yeah, hot. yeah, but he's tiny. Like <laughs> I think he's you know when he beats people, it's it's not really with the striking. Like it's he wants to connect yeah. with people. He wants to rip them off their feet. Um, he does have a pretty flexible takedown game. Mm-hmm. Like he'll hit nice counter reactive shots. He will just charge people to the fence and take them down from there. He'll hit singles. He'll hit trips. Um, and yeah, he's, I really do like his top game. Like yeah. he, he keeps people down a lot, mm-hmm. but he is not just a lockdown grappler. He likes no. to get some, get in somebody's guard and stand and stack them and smash them mm-hmm. uh, with punches. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if um, if Patterson ends up being a a more successful fighter at this level than you expect. Like, sure, he's got an interesting tall guy game that uh, I, I don't think a lot of fighters are really used to dealing with. The tall guy who uses his height uh, to bully them in in, in short range. Uh-huh. Um, but he's a little he's very Scott Askamy like. There's there's a lot of gaps and yeah. a lot of empty space and a lot of his actual attempts to get into range are pretty like suicidally bold. <laughs> yeah. Um, which in this fight I, I expect more to be punished with takedowns, but uh, will also be punished by good shorter counter punchers who just nail him as he's closing the distance. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, the counter to that is that he's not actually that good at like being a long fighter. Mm-mm. So sometimes he does feel that he has to rely on his reach, but people can it's just kind of up really exactly. Easy. Yeah. People can just kind of close the gap on him way more easily than you'd like to see for a, a guy with his frame. Yeah. And when he gets backed up, his chin gets high and oh, it's high all the time. <laughs> yeah. It's high all the time. <laughs> yeah. He's yeah, in like a first layer, he's reasonably aware. Like he's not just a sitting yeah. duck defensively, but um, yeah. Th- again, when in that middle distance, if he steps in with a strike and then like reconsiders, mm-hmm. um, or if he's tested with like a combination, you, you can nail him really clean because that's a weakness that tall guys have in the pocket. Mm-hmm. Just hard to see the shorter guys' shots coming, and hard to get your head out of the way without just leaning back. Yeah, I mean, I won't be shocked if Patterson wins this just for being so he's huge, freakishly bigger than his opponent. Just yeah. 
wraps up his neck on a shot or yeah. he's got a decent guillotine. A, I mean, yeah, yeah, that could happen. Hits a step knee as Ashmose is pushing forward or just keeps him at range. And Ashmose can't fight, find his way past like some long punches comfortably. Yeah. But and the thing is, is, is Patterson is going to get into range. Yeah. <laughs> he's going to walk himself yeah. into a shot uh, and probably into some wild hooks. Yeah. I, I just can't like, Ashmo's has some real violence to him and yeah. he has some violence to him as a puncher too. Yeah. And I can't see the way that Patterson got clubbed over and over on the contender series mm-hmm. without thinking like, you know, a much shorter guy can do that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then once you get past that first layer of takedown defense, he's a lot weaker and yeah, you know, some some guys are some long guys are really really annoying to deal with on the ground. Patterson's yeah. more on the side of being kind of gangly and uncoordinated. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, yep, I, I am definitely going to pick Ashmos. Yeah, I'll pick Ashmos as well. But it is it is a it is like a this will be a featherweight fighting a welterweight. So this might be a stupid pick. Eh, yeah, I'm I'm reasonably confident in Ashmos getting to his positions. But yeah, and I, I again I I do I don't think Patterson's like a he's I'm not saying you're saying this either, but he's he's not a joke. He's like he's got no. some stuff to work on, but there's something interesting to his yeah uh, I, to his tall man striking game. I rem- I remember looking, you know, here like the commentary team for his contender series bout. It was I think he trained he lives next to John Gooden or something. Okay, and so Gooden was really like, "This is my guy." I well, you it's know England doesn't like everyone kind of live next know, to John. Yeah, Gooden. right. Texas. It's only like a few blocks. Yeah. We're talking like Rhode Island here. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, and he's like, this is my guy. I can't wait. He he works so hard. He's got great cardio. He trains all the time, swims and runs and all this stuff. And then we're all, they're all like the, the first round and a half is just the other commentators trying to like be nice to Patterson as he gets clubbed. <laughs> it's just kind of it's like, well, maybe you should try actually training some like fighting things too. <laughs> hey, I'm all for swimming. Great cardio. Yeah. No, it is. But yeah. Yeah. I like Patterson again. I, I mean, he even I, had that fight with, um, with, uh, Camille Magomedov. Yeah. Where, yeah, he, like, dealt with a lot of wrestling. He gave up some embarrassing takedowns. He also, like, wrapped up a nasty guillotine mm-hmm. and uh, was making Magomedov's life hell in some of the clinches that did not lead to early takedowns. This, you know, I there's, like games like this. There. Yeah. Uh, it's also just very weird to see, like, a pretty decent, reasonable British prospect not be going through cage warriors to, like, uh-huh. really get all of the kinks ironed out of their game. Mm-hmm. And um, I but think hey. he's going to suffer for it here. Yeah, I think so. I think so. All right. That brings us to a flyweight bout. Mohamed Mokaev, Jafel, Hafel, or Jafel. God, Portuguese. My pain of my life. Jafel Filio. Filio. Filio, yeah. Filio. Jafel Filio. Son, right? I don't know. Probably. 
Filio or I've given up son. on I've given up on this one. Son or brother? I mean, feel like like filial, like family, yeah. like. No, yeah. I get I get the I get the reasoning. I'm just I'm bitter <laughs> at this point. <laughs> Jafel Filio. It's a pretty cool Jafel, name, actually. Jafel like Filio. Yeah, it rolls off the tongue. Uh, and I don't really. I mean, I guess it's a. I don't really understand this matchmaking. Um, it doesn't even feel like it's necessarily just a showcase for Mokaev at his hometown. It's just sort of a guy that nobody knows who will probably have an okay fight with him. Like, yeah. I don't know. It doesn't really... It's good, I guess, in terms of Mokaev's career and in terms of what we saw. If you're his, If you're his manager... In terms of what we saw against Malcolm Gordon, this is probably the appropriate fight. In terms of for fans, it's a little bit like, well, what what are we build what are we building with this? But the truth is also just like Mokaev pretty clearly needs more high level cage time. Yeah. Which is kind of weird for a kid who had like, you know, a hundred amateur fights or whatever, fifty mm-hmm. amateur fights. He has, and this has continued to be the case, and this has been my read on him the whole way through, I think, and it's weird to think of because it's just not what it, it is maybe a little bit damning of the idea of getting lots of amateur fights and lots of amateur competition and stuff, which should be really good for a fighter. Amateur MMA is fake. Amateur, yeah, there's that. It does not have the kind of regulation like that. Yeah. Uh, and the kind of consistency that makes like an amateur boxing career such a credible thing. Like, who yeah. knows what a long amateur MMA career yeah. looks like? Although I will say that the IMA, IMMAF, the, the tournaments they're running that he did a lot of, yeah, is actually pretty solidly consistent as a like putting together kind of thing. Whatever. I mean, I'm I'm talking out of my ass. I just I mean, as a as a rule, a lot of amateur MMA experience has not always reflected anything. Yeah. But the thing that it's done for Mokaev is it seemed to instill the belief in him that he is an extremely next level athlete Mm -hmm. and he is not. Yeah. And he's not like a bad athlete. But what the best parts of his game, where his game shines best is his technical abilities. Yeah. When he goes out and just tries to out athlete and Hulk people is tends to be where he fails. Yes. And it happens in the wrestling when he just goes out and just tries to like, you know, like he just like threw himself at Cody Durden. He does this a lot where he'll just throw himself at his opponent and be like, Oh, when we clash together, I'm just going to be able to body lock you and suplex you out of this world. Yeah. And it was like Cody Durden suddenly lifting him up over his head. Yeah. And Mokaev, he's an insane transition fighter. He's an insane... Like, the thing, that the positive that his long amateur experience has instilled in him is the ability to see every position as purely a transition. Mm-hmm. He's, he, he seems calm, and he... Everywhere uh, he's in is very just a good way nose to, for yeah. the for the openings in those moments. Yeah, every, everywhere he's in is a way to get to something else. Yep. And that's great. But... You know, it was also against Charles Johnson. Like, he's going out there and he's just, like, grabbing Charles Johnson. He's just trying to hulk him around. 
And he basically just ends up kind of backpacking and like just pushing Charles Johnson against the fence for three rounds. Mm-hmm. And then he has this fight with Malcolm Gordon. And he's going out there and he's like throwing like wheel kicks and he's trying to like do all this stuff to clown a very, you know, a very beatable fighter in Malcolm yeah. Gordon. One of the least durable um razor's edge, you know, not a great athlete, not a bat fast, but not strong. Yeah. Fighters in Malcolm Gordon. And Malcolm Gordon just like starts walking him down and just punching him in the mouth. Yep. And Mocha have had to like just back straight into the cage and start panic wrestling. Because he'd never had somebody just be like, this isn't effective. Like you are not, you know, you're not Habib out here. You're not a guy who can just here, let me try doing some some dumb stuff. But the fact that I'm super powerful right. and super fast is just going to be an inco- an unassailable mountain yeah. for you to climb. He's, he's only just finding out or perhaps still not recognizing that he is, in fact, a very specialized fighter. Yeah. And that like, yeah, just sort of mucking through all the stuff between getting to your grappling transitions is uh, is not necessarily going to work forever. Yeah. And so, yeah, that just that makes this fight um, a good probably sidestep for him. I'm still going to pick him here because Filio wants to wrestle. Yep. And I have an innate distrust of Brazilian guys that rise through the ranks of Brazilian MMA as the best wrestler in Brazilian MMA because it's still just not a very well defined part of the circuit there. Mm -hmm. You know, we see a lot of Brazilian fighters who come to MMA and their takedown, their takedown game that worked really well on the Brazilian circuit suddenly looks very much just like a power game where they're just used to hulking people around and everything else. Once that gets stuffed, they don't really have a wrestling game. Filio's game isn't bad, but it does strike me as very much a power game. And it strikes me as a game that is just as liable to get him taken down as it is to take down his opponent. Mm -hmm. He just kind of throws himself into body lock clinches and relentlessly tries to muscle through them to make something happen. And that seems very well designed for Mokaev to, to be the much more technical guy there. Yep. So I'll take him. I completely agree. Yeah. Mokaev is clearly very good. He's better even than I thought he was. Uh, And I agree with you. I mean, his real strength is that as a technical grappler and yes, somebody who has a comfort and a, the sort of um, muscle memory responses to various transitions and openings uh, on the ground. He, yeah, he's just a super sharp grappler. Like, yeah, and, he, and there's even a lot of like, there's a lot of very clearly, confidently drilled technique in his standup too. Yeah, it's just also without that understanding of like, if you throw a wheel kick in front of somebody at a range that it's not going to land, and they're not scared by it, right. they're just going to hit you really hard. Yeah, it really just feels like despite all the amateur experience and everything that this we are now seeing the first times he's ever been tested. Yeah. 
and he's he has looked at times a little befuddled by mm-hmm. opponents who don't just roll over when he decides to do basically anything. He just seems to have had it all his way. Um, yeah, and I think it is to his credit and and promises a bright future that he he has been getting his way by being really sharp. Yeah. By, being a, a strong positional grappler who does not let mistakes slip easily. Like mm-hmm. he punishes people when they give him better positions, when they give him submission openings. It's great. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to pick him. He's going to get the kind of fight that he wins. I have not seen anything in, um, in Filio's game that, that looks like it's particularly well suited to troubling Mokayev. Yeah. I think that's more than enough to pick him at this point. Yeah. It is just, I I I am going to keep sounding small alarm bells of caution for Mokayev of like, you know, there does maybe it is good that his management maybe it's his management that looked at his last fight and it's just like you know what yeah yeah no no reason to rush him step sideways why don't we not rush because no reason to rush him we said who was it um last week who took a sidestep fight that we were like yeah probably a good idea oh that was uh. Who was that? I'll look at the card real quick. It was... It was... Who the hell was it? Maybe it was the week before. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway. I think we were talking about another fight that was booked. That was on an upcoming card. Or something. No, it was was Ian Gary Song Kinnan. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're like, oh, this is not like a tougher matchup than Gabe Green. Yeah, no. But uh, you see how the fight played out, and it's like, oh, he learned something from that. Yeah. It was true. good. It was good ma- career management that a guy who clearly the fight played out is like, yeah, obviously we're picking him over Song Kinan. Shouldn't we yeah. be testing him? But he's still going to be getting tested in those winnable fights. Yeah. Uh, just because he has a lot to learn still. Yep. So yeah, I, I, like, sense, I think this is good matchmaking from Mokayev's perspective. Yeah, it's it's not interesting matchmaking from like a fan perspective, no, or from a, a breakdown analysis perspective. But it's interesting if, like us, you're sort of like tracking the development of yeah of fighters. That's the only angle from which it's it's good from a from a career management perspective. It it is you know MMA could use more people in management who are interested in the long-term prospects of their fighters. Yes. And not just being going with the classic. Every test should be your next, every, every next fight should be the hardest fight you've ever had. Yeah. Managers should not be meatheads. Yeah. Everyone else in MMA gets a pass. <laughs> yeah. The manager should not be a meathead. Uh, odds on the bout. Filio is a big underdog, as expected here. Uh, currently sitting about plus 500 to plus 550 range with Mokaev in the minus 800, down, minus 700 to minus 800 range. The lines have not moved a lot since opening. Uh, Filio opened at plus 550. He's currently plus 539. Mokaev opened at minus 800, currently minus 790. So odds were appropriately set and nobody's biting on them, basically. Mm-hmm. Yep. That brings us to our early prelims and the featured early prelim bout. Lerone Murphy 
Gabriel Santos. And um, you know what? For having lost a very interesting fight in Murphy Wood, mm-hmm. it could do worse as a replacement than Gabriel Santos. Yeah. Yeah. I just won the LFA featherweight title. Mm-hmm. And I think is um, in the same way as the, uh, not the Gabriel, the Ismael Bumfim. Mm-hmm. He looks like a really solid fighter. Yeah. Like, I, I really do like his game, actually. He's, um, a given his druthers, a patient pressure fighter. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, throws a lot of short but still consistent combinations, leads with his jab, hits the body. And when he has the initiative, he was always happy to test somebody by mixing in a quick takedown attempt. Uh, usually he seems to go for singles. Um, but he doesn't like live and die by them working. Yeah. But he will happily out wrestle somebody if it's there. Yeah. Um, looks like a reasonably powerful striker, pretty strong defensively, like comes back with counters when people try to break out of the pressure game he tries to put on them. Yeah. Good size featherweight. Seems like he's strong. Seems like he was fighting at the weight division, right weight division already. Yep. So I don't expect him to come in looking, you know, suddenly like a smaller man or anything like that. But that uh, that fight with um, Jose Delano was a really solid, impressive performance. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I, and I think, yeah, he's he, probably because he looks like a fighter who's really comfortable right out of the gate. He's probably going to test Lerone Murphy. Yeah. Who almost always starts kind of slow. Yeah, and, and this still, it has to be said, I expect this is just going to be the, the arc of Lerone Murphy's career. He's still not really great at anything. Yeah. He's I think that the strength of Laurent Murphy is that he sort of without having started with the really like solid, reputable game, he does mm-hmm. seem to have like the mindset already of like a, a Volkanovsky type. Yeah. He seems super calm and imperturbable. Yeah. Bad Very things calm. happen to him almost yep. always early in the fight. He sort of lets the opponent dictate to start. Um, sees what they're working with, but then pretty quickly, usually there comes a turnaround where he just like puts his foot on the gas and starts punishing them. Mm-hmm. He's a great athlete. He's powerful. He's while not being like, it's hard to say what his a game is. He's so willing to do anything with lots of power and decisiveness Yeah, that he comes across as a very well-rounded fighter who can kind of just, it, right. There's, there's still just a big defensive liability in it, all of it, you know? It's still, like... Yeah. It's all very functional, and it's all very powerful, and it's not... Like, the defensive liabilities aren't so much that you're like, oh, man, he's now just losing and getting lit up, because he's very good at being opportunistic, very yeah. hard to deter. Um, But you're also just, like... Oh yeah, Lerone, you know, you see him like fire a one, two and a low kick or something like that. And you're like, wow, he, yeah, his striking looks sharp. And then just like an overhand just clubs him. Yeah. Or he just gets any... pulled off his feet by a takedown and just instantly yeah. gives his back and like has to fight desperately. Yeah. To it's not like, just get backpacked. Okay, so yeah, the striking isn't really entirely your game, and the wrestling isn't really entirely your game. And the clinch is like there's just no there's no one thing. The clinch is probably the most thing, the thing that is the most his game. Yeah, because it is that 
he is such a, a interstitial, you know, finding, knowing and understanding that MMA happens in the gaps between positions as well. Yep. Kind of fighter that that transition of the clinch is really where he gets to be the physical bully the best. Yeah. But yeah, it is kind of one of those things. I, where I won't be shocked if we see an upset here. Honestly, it like, could be. Yeah, Mur- Murphy leaves a lot of holes. He has not had a single fight where he has just been comprehensively winning the whole time. No, I mean, wasn't his debut like? Yeah, it was the it was a draw against Takugov, the uh, UFC debut. I was in my mind, it was a a, a looking impressive and a loss. He managed to draw. Yeah, he was getting shellacked at first. Yeah, it, it was he, he, he was, was getting shellacked, and Zubair Takugov burned his gas tank, and Lerone Murphy just roared back. But that's also a great testament to like, you know, Lerone Murphy is always yeah. in shape. He's always, always in shape and does not freak out no matter yep. what is happening. He is ready for the turnaround. But it is notable that in one way or another, almost all of his UFC fights have been sort of a comeback win. Yeah, the thing I think is mo- most has me picking him here is that I did notice him in that LFA fight, Santos, there came a point in like the second round where Santos really ran out of ideas and had to kind of figure out what worked again. Because for a while, he just, you know, he was doing well, just sort of trading, landing single shots in open space, picking his his targets. But the takedown, the the takedowns that he was throwing out there just weren't really getting him anywhere at all. Yeah. And as that started to happen, his striking became super predictable and he just started walking on to shots. And just being insistent, trying to get his pressure game going, yeah, without all the parts working, and you know he's durable, he's capable, he looks like a good fighter, and he also roared back into that fight, yeah, round three of that fight, he's just whooping Delano's ass the entire time, yeah, uh, and and also like yeah, getting shocked with like a taken attempt and fighting really impressively not to accept the position and get back to his feet. And he goes right back to thrashing Delano and finishes him with body shots. Another thing I Mm -hmm. always like to see. Yeah. Um, He's he's good, but I think he's solid, man. But I think that that sort of like Murphy's, uh, the gaps in Murphy's game are not, they don't, he doesn't really tend to fall off that way. You know, I don't really feel like yeah, it's a it's a lack of ideas. It's just there's always something to take advantage of with Lerone Murphy. Yeah. Um, and I can oh, see he, much more. He only gets more resourceful as the fight goes on. Yeah. Yeah, I, that's that's something. I mean, I I still think like if 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 all things were equal, I would what that would tell me is that I would expect more than one momentum shift in this fight. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Because, yeah, like, I also think you could also say that maybe Santos is just kind of, like, conserving his energy and not pushing so hard in the second round. Because certainly by the end of that round, he was once again just, like, cracking Delano with his counter right hand. And mm-hmm. um, he just seemed like a little, I don't know if he was frustrated and out of ideas or just got lackadaisical. 
Could be, yeah. Uh, lost focus a bit, lost the sort of uh, urgency to go out there and continue cooking this guy. But, um, yeah, I mean, if, it, if I expected that kind of performance fully, uh, I would probably say, yeah, Thoreau Murphy's probably going to take a lot of shots early, maybe get taken down early, and then start doing exactly those things back. And then maybe, uh, maybe Santos... Continue, finds more defensive flaws as the fight goes on and we get some exciting moments in the third. Yeah. The fact is is that this is a short-notice fight overseas. Yeah, there's also that. Uh, Lerone Murphy doesn't seem to have a style that he sort of finds his, his style in the cage every time, so I, I don't think that an opponent change will probably affect him a lot. I don't really know yet how Santos's preparation needs to go. I haven't gotten enough experience watching his fights yet but that is an x factor that makes me at least it's a reason to doubt one guy where i don't doubt the other yeah um yeah and your your point stands as well i would still probably expect quite a close fight i still don't think it'll be it, it shouldn't be shocking if santos goes in there and just looks really good yeah, i think yeah. i think he's a very good fighter yeah and he's got the size to compete yeah. physically with murphy too so yeah, it, I think like may, Ismael Bonfim, he looks just like yeah. a really solid, uh, well-rounded MMA fighter. He looks like a finished product already. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it may it may be, uh, you know, a bit of a, well, I was going to say it might be a rude awakening for, for Murphy in that case, but Tuku Gab is really physical. Douglas De Silva is really physical. I don't think that Murphy's going to have any trouble managing physicality. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's Aquan Americani is really physical for a round, and he completely banked that round on Murphy. Yeah, it's just there's enough reason to to you've seen enough of Murphy just like not really knowing how to win the fight in the first round almost every time. Yeah, um, so. and Santos is a a pretty solid. He he builds patiently, but he doesn't take too long to get to uh, pressuring and 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 poking at the other guy. Yeah. I think, sure. a, I think it's a. I think it's a surprisingly compelling matchup for a short notice replacement. Yeah, I agree. I'm going to take Murphy, but I like the fight a lot. And, yeah, uh, I'll, I'll take Murphy as well. Should be a fun one. Murphy is Murphy is the favorite. Opened at minus two seventy five. Jumped up to minus one fifty five. Currently minus one seventy eight. Santos opened at something and is currently sitting at about <laughs> plus 140 to plus 160 so decent odds not a big favorite for murphy even on short notice which yeah i think a lot of people are you know you, i think you, just, you take credit. one look at santos you're like oh this yeah. guy's good santos opened at plus 235 dropped to minus 115 it's currently at plus 145 sure yeah dropped to plus 145 i, I kind of get the the compulsion to take a flyer on, on santos again he, he looks like a good fighter yeah just a little reminder that you could support the mma vivisection the mma depressed us and the sixth round post fight show simply by going to patreon.com slash mma vivisection with three different tiers ranging from three dollars to seven dollars it's incredibly easy to show support to your favorite analysts zane connor eddie and phil so if you have a few dollars to spare please consider us thank you so much all right that brings us to a middleweight bout christian leroy duncan the other chris duncan on this card 
Which oh, is... yeah. Against Dushko Todorovic. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is going to be stupid. This is going to be really stupid. <laughs> <laughs> D- Duncan is like, I think, your, your classic British fighter. Mm-hmm. Like, dude can't grapple or wrestle. <laughs> he's, but... Um, He's he's sort of in the mold of um who's who's the white Mike Tyson? <laughs> oh oh yeah um you know who I'm talking about yeah damn it he fought uh, Chimaev <laughs> they made Chimaev fight him didn't they yeah uh yeah. you can find his name pretty quickly off of that um but yeah he's all I'm finding is Dana White Mike Tyson but just look up Chimaev's no, record yeah I, I I find him. Uh, Christian Leroy Duncan is like a big bully and Jack Marshman. Wait, no, that's not, not Jack Marshman before that's him. Not Mark, Jack Marshman. Uh, come on, Zane. Come on. Uh, John Phillips. There we go. John. That's right. Phillips. John, the white Mike Tyson Phillips. Yeah. The guy who lived in the tra- trailer out behind SBG. Yeah. The guy who's not nearly as good at Mike Tyson. Uh, he's probably about as good as Mike Tyson is at wrestling. Yeah. Um, and uh, also being Welsh, not really white either, is he? <laughs> I, don't think we, I don't think we've accepted them into the club yet. I am not. <laughs> um, yeah, it should just Certainly be the British haven't. Should be, exactly. The well, they decide who gets to be in. I mean, it's kind of their thing. That's true. Um, <laughs> they started it. I think... Um, yeah, Christian Leroy Duncan is just like a big bully, and I and I kind of like his some of his striking selection for a big bully. Yeah, it was very cool in his um in his last fight, I think it was, where he um uh dropped the dude with like a a teep. Mm-hmm. You know, like he he will bully people with his reach. Doesn't just like get inside and, but yeah, he just like gives up takedowns way too easily. And looks really befuddled on the ground. Yeah, like I, mean, I, mm-hmm. I mean, I think he's got like he's got fast first reactions. It's yes. just everything is very much like I am going to take the first athletic opportunity, and if somebody can yeah. really control me, yeah, then there's problems. Like that fight he had with um, maybe it wasn't last. Maybe it was Milan. Uh, yeah, I watched his fight with. Uh, Will Curry, uh-huh. where like Curry got in, tried to take him down, and uh, Duncan did a good job, sort of like scrambling up and scrambling away or hipping out, and then immediately got wrapped up in a knee bar and had to spend like two yeah. minutes fighting that off. That happens consistently, where he'll yeah. find himself in a good position. Whichever fight it was where he dropped the dude with a, a nice, like, counter teep. Mm-hmm. goes into his guard and is like, I'm going to maul this dude. Yeah. And then just sort of gets like awkwardly swept. Yeah. And then is like, I, there's something in his style that reads as very arrogant. Like he's like sort of disdainful of like grapplers. He's like, Oh, this guy's fighting like a pussy. It's <laughs> like, I'm just going to, I'm going to hulk my way out of this. And then he makes an effort and they're kind of like, okay, I'm going to break down that post. And now I'm on your back. And he's like, Oh, wait, I, I don't, it, yeah, definitely. The deeper you get into a grappling exchange, the more clueless he tends to look. Yeah. Um. Um. 
And I don't know. I mean, the problem for Dusko Todorovic is that he's definitely capable of being bullied on the feet. He's yeah. an incredibly hittable fighter and a hurtable one as well. He's got fantastic conditioning and willpower. So even getting hurt, he does not go away easily and, and he will continue fighting his ass off. But the big problem for him is that like he struggled to out wrestle Jordan Wright. Yeah, I will say, and I've said this before, Jordan Wright's biggest problem is not technique anywhere. Well, it's, you see his last fight? Uh, utterly clueless in the clinch the entire it, oh, time. Oh, yeah, okay. There's that. He's not he, a great wrestler, whatever you say. He's, 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 he's an okay wrestler. He's not a, maybe a great clinch fighter, but the problem is just that he panics so much. That, like, that is his fatal flaw, but... yeah. I would I, think I've he, seen he still Jordan has a Wright, very shallow game. Yeah, I have seen Jordan Wright hit some good takedowns and like defend some good takedowns, but it's right. just prolonged anything becomes yeah bad. Just saying, if you're Todorovic and you're like nominally yeah. the more well-rounded fighter, yeah, and you have to go in there and essentially how you beat Jordan Wright is the way anyone beats him by just like out brawling him. Yeah, not a great sign for Todorovic dealing with the problems that have been badly exposed already. He's just—he's not—he's not a great athlete, and no. he's not a yeah. well-trained fighter except for his top control. Yeah. So get you know being not a great athlete and having bad instincts or bad you know techniques trained bad technique. It, yeah. It really you know it, it puts him in in the kind of thing where like. He's not taking. He's struggling to, to control Chidi and Jakawani, and then getting absolutely brutalized. Yeah. So all I'm saying is the only dude he's actually beaten in the UFC so far is somebody who collapses no matter what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he beat two other guys too. Who? Well, they they also collapse absolutely no matter what you're doing. Yeah. People who just flame out, and Duncan yeah. does not seem to do that. No. Like, he is arrogantly disdainful even when he's being beaten and will come out in the next round and just be like, okay, now I'm going to make you pay for Mm -hmm. all that stupid pussy shit you just did. (laughs) Uh, So I'm kind of going to pick Duncan. I think it's going to be a really stupid, messy fight, but I think Duncan's pretty comfortable in those. Yeah, and I really like, you know, he he maybe has a a bit of the... uh, There's a a bit of... uh, the sort of lackadaisical yeah. foolhardiness to his defense. Yes. But he's doing a lot better than that with that than a lot of other fighters in that, like, there's always another attack yeah. coming from whatever he's doing. So if you are approaching him and you're like, oh, this guy's got his hands down, I can actually just lunge forward and hit him from here. Yeah, there is going to be a seriously hard counter shot coming at you. Yep, pretty much every single time. Yep. So that and God, God save Dushko Todorovic if Duncan like backs him into a corner. Yeah, and starts unleashing strikes because he is going to have zero difficulty finding Dushko's chin. Yeah. So yeah, I gotta pick Duncan. I think. I think he can actually do some pretty fun stuff in this division. Middleweight is not a division where being a little, you know, weird and wild. Yeah, yeah. And being kind of a specialist. I mean, that's a classic. I mean, territory. Like, you know, we've seen, we're just not like, 
Roman Delizzi is fighting Martin Vittor- Marvin Vittori because yeah. he's won like four fights in a row. You know? Yep. With with a, a striking toolkit that is just a small level above uh, that it's one. Big is what it is. His striking is big. <laughs> yeah. And that's about it's all a, it is. It's a small level above Trevor Peak, you yeah. know? Yeah. And this division absolutely allows for that, and Todorovic does not bring it. Yeah. Well, I think Trevor Peak would tell you the reason that his uh, striking isn't as good as, as Trevor's is that he believes in the wrong God. <laughs> those, those Georgians, they have the wrong God. It's not the right one. <sighs> it's not American Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> no, he has the muscle Jesus on the cross. So like, What's that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. In his, in his, uh, you know, yeah, shotgun home. Those Georgians have this Greek Jesus who's like, uh, no, no, Jesus, only, don't, Jesus don't eat olives. There's only one Jesus, and there's only one Georgia. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Did you see? Um, have you seen any of Sadiq Yusuf's uh, breakdown card breakdowns he's been doing? I have I have seen the videos come up. I haven't actually watched them, but I've heard They're a very lot. funny. They're very funny. He he has a great sense of humor. Uh and yeah, he was he was somebody came up, maybe it was Dwellish really. He was like, I heard he's from Georgia. And then he starts naming people like great company. He starts naming various fighters and athletes from Georgia. <laughs> Just he's very good deadpan humor. Nice. Uh so all right. Uh, odds on the fight. This Chris Duncan is uh, Christian Duncan, Christian Leroy. Opened at minus 165, dropped to minus 207, currently minus 211. Todorovic opened at plus 145, jumped up to plus 170, is currently plus 171. So, yeah, solid favorite for the Cage Warriors I believe Cage Warriors champ, right? Maybe. No? Let's see. Yeah. Cage Warriors middleweight champ. All right. I like him. He's got a fun game. Yep. It'll be, it'll be fun to watch. There will be flaws, but middleweight is the division to be. Yeah. If you're going to have like one thing you do well and a bunch of stuff you don't do that well, middleweight yeah. is the place for it. All right, that brings us to a flyweight bout. Malcolm Gordon, Jake Hadley. And uh, this is a good, well-booked fight. This is a very winnable fight for J- for Malcolm Gordon. And I am pretty much never going to pick Malcolm Gordon. Mm-hmm. Because the durability issues are just too stark. And it's a game entirely based on speed. And his game has always been, on top of being a speed game, it's always been an aggressive attacking game Mm -hmm. that is based on what, you know, on trying to create points where he can knock people out or submit them. So there's no safety built into Gordon's game along with no durability. So picking him in fights is very difficult. Um, That said, Hadley 
is the kind of guy. Oh, this is supposed to be you, but I'm just going to talk. No, it's not. It's you. Oh, is it? Yeah. Okay. Hadley is the kind of guy that Gordon can beat, which is a grappler who does not have a really, truly who's either not a great is not a great athlete and does not have a truly lockdown game as mm-hmm. a grappler. He's not a, a truly great positional grappler. And those are people like if Gordon can get on top of you, he's he's a hard fighter to beat. You know? Yeah. He is a very well-trained, good, solid, aggressively put-together fighter. Yeah, I think sort of like philosophically, it's like give him a position where he's in control and is therefore relatively safe. Yeah. And it's like his craftiness, overall craftiness, becomes a serious uh, advantage. I mean, if if Gordon had a good chin, he would be a pretty decent fighter. That's Mm -hmm. really what it is. He's got an attacking style. He's very fast. He's well-schooled pretty much everywhere. Yeah, he just doesn't but, have the defense to accommodate a chin as bad as is. Yeah. And he's got a style that is always always about leading him into danger. It's always going to be pressure, create offense, yeah. create opportunities. Never there's no like stay safe at range version of Malcolm Gordon. Yep. Um and I think, you know, Hadley, especially the Hadley who came out against Carlos Candelario, Mm -hmm. he came out really attacking in that fight and really consistently on the front foot, throwing lots of volume, looking comfortable, even if he's not a great athlete. I just have to weigh that a little bit. You know, if you're going to be aggressive and you're going to create opportunities, Gordon is going to give opportunities and... It'll be on, you know, Hadley to fade out of this fight because he gives up positions to Gordon. And I'm not going to pick Gordon to win these kinds of fights. I'm just not. Yeah. It's always possible. He, yeah. If Hadley can't put him away, Gordon could absolutely beat him. But, you know, Gordon's one win at the, one win at this level, surefire win at this level was... Francisco Figueredo fading out really quickly yep. with a really busted game. Yep. And then a, a broken arm. Yep. Yeah, that was really down to Figueredo destroying himself. I mean, not, not that Gordon wasn't there to capitalize, but F- Figueredo could not continue. Yeah. Like, he didn't he hurt Gordon early in that fight, too? Yep. He just wasn't able to continue exploiting Gordon's weaknesses. Yep. And then, yeah, again, you, you put Gordon in a position where uh, essentially his chin is not a pressing issue and he's a really good fighter. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I think there's a chance if he can stick it out, always possible. You know, it's not like uh, he has spent his entire career getting knocked out in the first round, though it has happened quite a few times. Yeah. Um. And the second round, too. Yeah. He's, he's, you know, and then Mokai finished him in third. He's always in danger. He's always, you know, he's not a fighter who who ever sits back and doesn't create. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Hadley is quite hittable. 
Um, but yeah, he seems to like have the chin to absorb punishment and keep fighting. And that's really a huge advantage to have over Gordon, unfortunately. Yeah. So yeah, I'll take, I'll take Hadley as well. Odds on the fight. Hadley is a healthy favorite. Opened at minus 250, currently down minus 371. Gordon opened at plus 210, currently at plus 284. All right. That brings us to a woman's flyweight bout. Joanne Wood, Luana Carolina. Boy, and, Joanne, uh, nay, Calderwood. Yeah, yeah. Um, she has just fallen off a cliff. Yeah. Like, I would never dream of picking Luana Carolina over the the sort of version of Joanne I, I still have in my mind. Mm-hmm. From when she used to be. Like, she was never the most amazing a fighter she was never a flawless technician she was never incredibly durable she's never been very physical but she was a lot more mentally durable before than she has looked in quite a while now yeah she seems to just be folding in a lot of her fights Mm -hmm. And, and and not necessarily against like all against like crushing fighters like she didn't even look confident against lauren murphy yeah. She's getting scared off by Lauren Murphy's counters, and it's like, uh, I, I I don't know, man. I, I don't really know what's going on with her. Uh, we've talked before. There's something strange going on in her training situation. Well, yeah, her husband's a coach. These, exactly. These days, and yeah. yeah, and we've heard rumors about how like other people at the gym have been experiencing different treatments since – since yeah. that, but if there's favoritism, it doesn't seem to be benefiting her. If anything, it feels like she's being coddled or something in training. Yeah. Now. Um, but I also, know. you know, she, it's worth noting too that like her last fight against Grasso, they're talking about like, you know, uh, the commentary team was talking about like, oh, you know, so I talked to, I think it was DC, was like, oh, I talked to Joanne this week, and I was like, so are you gonna be, you know, we're gonna see a lot of kicks from you in this fight this this week. And she said no, uh, because they judges reward punching more. So okay. I'm going to focus on, you know, punching more. And, like, those are the kinds of things that, like, they suggest a fighter in turmoil yeah. alongside what we see in the cage. They suggest a fighter trying to figure out how to fix fundamental flaws very late in their career. Yeah. And also like I, 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 she's had a lot of close fights, but like, I don't, I don't think the correct attitude is like, Oh, the judges keep going against me. Yeah. It's really not. There are ways for you to be more decisive in fights. That isn't just like assuming, Oh, my main problem is the judges. They don't like my style. Yeah. I don't really think that is close to the main problem. No, um, it's not entirely easy to say what the main problem was, to be fair. I mean, like, uh, if anything, you could just point to physicality. Like she, she would just get like too easily out grappled or would like find herself uncomfortable on the feet with somebody's speed and then have to engage them in the grappling. And she wasn't necessarily mm-hmm. strong enough or she's not the- high, high output enough. For somebody who, you know, has always been known as like, oh, she loves violence. She's so quiet, but she loves violence. Uh-huh. Um, there's always been a fundamental 
discomfort with her when it comes to getting, uh, like having somebody else be aggressive towards her. She's, yes. she's, she loves violence when it is a mid range one for one trade. Yeah. And I think on the way up, she was very used to people being much smaller women being counted yeah. by her frame Yeah, and they just let her bully them and she got to be very comfortable. Yeah. And now she's in fights. She's been in several fights with people closer to her size and they tend to be extremely even yep. like kicking matches. And um, or she's in there against better physical fighters who are smaller than her, but they just don't and they're more experienced and they just like they just don't let her have the initiative. Yeah. When people yeah. push forward and grapple with her, she gets really uncomfortable really fast. Yeah. You know, she gives up positions and then just doesn't seem like, you know, she seems like she gives up to a position where she's just suddenly now resigned. Like, well, I got to lose now because yep. I gave up my back. I mean, she has a long neck, too. That never helps. We talk about fighters having a short neck being unchokable, but it, there's something to it. You know, it's yeah. a lot easier to put your chin down when your chin is already down at all times. Yeah, Kira Knightley would not be a very good grappler. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, but, but, um, Joe, you know, but there also just seems to be points where it's just like, Oh, I gave up my back to stand and immediately got my back taken. And now the fight's over. And, yeah. then the other, and that just seems to be worsening, like the, yeah. the speed with which she's just like, oh, it's over. I've lost and just yeah. visibly gives up is that's the most troubling thing. And she seems to have something seems to have broken in her. The, the other thing that's always been true is if people pressure her and they throw strikes at her. Even when she's throwing strikes off, she closes her eyes. A yeah, lot. she's very flinchy, very flinchy. I say it's really. The place that Joanne Wood is truly comfortable is in a out is in a middle distance turn taking striking exchange. Yeah. That is where you see when she can get a fight to be that, that is where she is comfortable and happy. When she or when she's pressing forward into the clinch and yes. her opponent is backing away from her. That is where she is happy. When an opponent is pressing her, whether it's with wrestling or whether it's with striking. She gets very flinchy. She gets very in her own head. And it gets easy for her to just kind of quit out of a fight, it feels like. Yeah. So I, I'm not, you know, I don't I don't think all that much of Luana Carolina, but she's um she's definitely scrappy. Yeah, and she's big. She's big. She's gonna have reach parity with Joanne Wood. She endured and came through in a hyper aggressive performance from uh lupi godinez mm -hmm. and she was also like really impressively working her way back into that fight with molly mccann yeah um as much as yeah she got spectacularly ko'd in the third that came with her being like oh mccann's gonna keep crashing into me i'd better take these clinches and start smashing her with elbows and knees she was doing pretty good uh, compared to the early going as that fight wore on. And then she, she got caught in the process of, of making that adjustment. Um, yeah. And I think she's not just going to let Joanne would pressure her the whole time. She's going to be able to touch her. Granted, I, I think her punching as well is extremely awkward. Oh, it's, it's really bad. She really puts herself badly out of position 
and is wide open to be countered almost any time she throws a punch. She's much better in the clinches. Um, but uh, yeah, like Joanne Wood is just not like inviting exchanges, and she's she looks she's a tighter technical fighter, but. I'm kind of tempted to pick Carolina just on the psychological angle. I just do not yeah. like what I've been seeing out of Joanne lately. I'm I'm going to stick with a desperation pick for Wood of like, you should not lose to a fighter this bad. This is the it low bar. It just shouldn't sure. happen. Yeah. This is the low bar. All you need to do is fight your fight on the front foot. That's it. March forward. Kick a lot. Throw one-twos. Clinch all the time. It should not, you know, Carolina will back straight up with her head in the air. She will trap herself on the cage. Yep. Uh, you have the size in the clinch that she's not going to be able to just out-wrestle you, and she's going to have to try to muscle things, and maybe she can hit you hard in the clinch. But you, we've seen and we know Joanne Wood can take damage. Yeah. You know, she rarely ever, in fact, I don't think she has ever been knocked out. I don't think so. You know? So. Nope. She usually gets, uh, usually gets submitted when she, yeah, all of her finish yeah. losses are submissions. Yeah. So just march through any bad moments. Stay on this woman. She did get absolutely clobbered by Marina Moroz before getting submitted by her. Like, it's not sure. like she can't be hurt. Yeah. I'm not saying she can't be hurt either. I'm just saying. That was that a I knockdown, uh, a club and sub, I think. If you get submitted by Luana Carolina... Oh, yeah. That shouldn't be a problem here. <laughs> yeah. Like, even in the midst of her own mental turmoil... Uh, oh, what's her name? Um, Ariane Lipsky mm-hmm. knee-barred the shit yeah. out of Luana this Carolina. This should be one where Joy Wood can just go in there and accidentally create a grappling exchange and get a submission. I mean, uh-huh. Like when she's in the driver's seat, she's a perfectly competent submission grappler. Yeah. But I just don't know. I just don't trust her. I, I don't, I don't think, trust her either. I don't and, see a super clear path to victory for Carolina, but I'm kind of making a gut pick. Yeah. I mean, if, if Carolina can, if she can get, if she's getting hurt and she's getting backed up and all that, and she can just start coming back with a couple big one twos, start firing a couple big shots at, at Wood, start getting in her head a little and get Wood to back off. Running her and, into elbows as she tries to take the clinch. She's pretty good at that, actually. Yeah, and just start, start like, pushing forward herself. Who knows where Wood's head is at, you know? Yep. All I know is, yeah, Carolina has proven, more than proven, that she is very scrappy and down to, to have a tough fight. Yeah. And that's the thing I don't, I doubt from Wood these days. Odds on the bout. Wood is the favorite. Opened at minus 145, currently at minus 181. Carolina opened at plus 125, currently at plus 149. All right, that brings us to a lightweight bout. Jai Herbert, Ludovic Klein. Cool fight. Uh, Yeah, cool fight. Um, I don't really know what to make of this one honestly yeah um, i don't know what to make of ludovic klein still <laughs> yeah i mean well klein to me he you know we we're just talking about this with joanne wood and 
he is very much like a absolute specialist of middle distance striking. Yeah. He is the one for one king. I think. Yeah. One at a time, full power. Creative mm-hmm. can select all kinds of targets, will shock you if you are just gonna sit out there in middle distance and say, Okay, I'm gonna go, you're gonna go. I'm gonna go, you're gonna go. He is he can absolutely, absolutely be the creative force, which is why I, you know, I picked him and was glad to be right over Devontae Smith. Mm-hmm. It is good and shows good things for Klein uh, that he was able to beat Mason Jones. Um, because that's a lot more like the kind of problem he faced against Michael Trezano. Yeah. Where Tre- Trezano, you know, I think the big difference probably being that Trezano had a better jab. Yeah. And because Trezano was just able to pressure behind that and cause Klein fits. Uh, But Jones, you know, especially too, like Jones could do a lot of what Nate Land should have been able to do a lot of what Nate Landwehr did and couldn't. So, you know, Klein, you really, you do have to take him off of that game. Um. But yeah, it's like a high power, low volume version of the uh, of Edson Barboza. You know, yeah. Without the combinations. <laughs> that's what I mean by the low output, high power. Low okay, output. right, yeah, 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 yeah. It's not just low output though. It's like even yeah. in even in the spot, he's fighting in bursts, but those bursts are usually single strikes. Yeah. Or they're really ugly combinations where he's just like flying forward. Uh, and that's, it's a fight Jai Herbert could win. Yeah. Herbert I think it's going to be a very 50, 50 chances because they both kind of want the same range and yeah, Her- Herbert has all kinds of length. Um, you know, yeah. he's what six inches taller than Klein and has, uh, five inches of reach on mm-hmm. him, mm-hmm. and he can crack a mean one too. And he has a really nice jab mm-hmm. when he chooses to make that the focus of his arsenal. Um, but he is also his style of fight is not tuned to beating Ludovic Klein. Yeah. He is very much a long-distance, one-for-one kind of guy who banks on being faster and slicker than you and keeping you at the end of his arms. And at the first sign of anything other than that, we'll just try to close down and and clinch up. Yeah. Even though he hasn't been knocked out a ton— uh, his style just has the feeling of being quite fragile because like, yeah. you can just kind of crash through Yes, a lot of what he does. And if you can absorb it or pay him right back, then, um, yeah, he, he kind of tends to be hairy and his clinch is very much a, like, 
I am going to try to knee you, but I can't like I can't he can't, he can't depend on anything yeah. to really control the fight for not me. a super assertive clinch. He's not. I mean, this is a problem with lots of MMA fighters that a yeah. lot of guys get the double collar tie and that's like leverage to throw some knees. Yeah. But ideally what a double collar tie is, is like the opponent cannot do anything except eat knees. Yeah. Like either they're fighting, they're breaking that grip or it's such a dominant grip that their posture is just shattered the moment you get it. Yeah. That's what people should be doing when they get to those, those so-called tie clinch positions. And Herbert, uh, despite his height is one of many, many fighters who is not assertive enough with the grip aspect of a tie clinch. Yeah. So yeah, like when, when he can't just absolutely style on people, his fights end up incredibly messy. All of them. He yes. can't, there's no control to a, a Jai Herbert fight. Yeah. And I'm going to pick Ludovic Klein in that. Yeah, kind of leaning the same way. Uh, Klein's never been knocked out. Yep. And he, he is super hard. He gets super hard. He's creative. And he he has a kind of fight that he can and will have and will not take himself out of yep. that he can control. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm kind of leaning the same way. Herbert is not only like mentally, stylistically, also just physically more fragile. Klein can take a hell of a shot um, as like ugly and awkward. He's sort of like if like Jason Witt had a chin. <laughs> That's like what his striking looks like, like just bowling forward with huge dynamic single shots. But um, he, he really does pack a huge bunch and his kicks are enormously powerful as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I just don't think Jai Herbert is assertive enough anywhere to actually, it, it's essentially despite the massive size difference, Klein likes that range. He uses yeah. his, his speed and he has zero uh, doubts about like fully committing to a strike from that range. You have to be really sharp and confident in your ability to counter someone on the way in or to bully them and not let them crash into you. You know, it'd be really not lovely to see over time for Klein. Is if he could, if he could evolve into being the next and more powerful John McDessie. Ooh, that's a long way away. <laughs> that's a very long way away. Yeah, McDessie is one of the sport's classiest striking technicians. True, but McDessie's on know. that Asunsao tier of, like, man, if this guy was at more athletic or bigger, he'd be a beast. He's yeah. so sharp. Um, yeah, I don't think Klein has any idea how to manage a fight like that. It's just you let him have a 50-50 fight, he's going to be super dangerous, and he's going to find a lot of openings. Yeah. So, it's just I, I just think of like short guys that love to range fight. Yeah, yeah. I, but it's a, to me, it's a totally different thing. He gets away with yeah. it because he's real fast. Yeah. Fast and confident. Yeah. I'm just, just saying, if, if, he, if he could improve continually technically, that's... That would be the kind of model to take. Yeah, that would be cool. Yeah, yeah, but, a yeah. hyper-powered John McDessey. Who wouldn't like to see that? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but I am going to take Klein just for, I think, being a harder-hitting, tougher. I don't even know that he's harder-hitting, but he's more durable, and that's yeah, he hits big, hard and, for the whole fight, and he can. Yeah, he has a style where he's really comfortable. There's no point where Jai Herbert is comfortable. He's hurting yeah, you yeah. Er, and putting you away early, or everything is falling apart. Exactly. Yeah, I think it'll get messy, and that's when it's going to go bad for Jai. 
Uh, Klein opened at minus 130. It's currently minus 182. Herbert opened at plus 110. It's currently at plus 151. One of the reasons I've been trying to get away from best fight odds because it sucks now, mm-hmm. but they have the the little graph that lets me tr- lets you track the progression of odds, which is the only tool I want for this show. I don't care about mm-hmm. odds otherwise. I just want to see how people are thinking about fights. Um, well, one of the reasons I might have to keep using it forever is their complete. Uh, the fact that any letter that is not a standard English letter, they replace with an R. <laughs> Something wrong with the code. Yeah, whatever it is. But seeing Jai Herbert versus Rudovit Klein. Oh my God. It's just too good. We had a couple. We had a funny one from that a while ago. I'm trying to remember who it was. Oh, it's, it's, we have Durko Totorova. Dur- uh, Durko, in, in, of course. He's, he's right here. I, I forgot about Durko. Durko Totorova. <laughs> That was the one. Yeah. (laughs) Always. It's always. Such a great fake name. Right. (laughs) Oh, all right. I love Durko. (laughs) That brings us to a a woman's flyweight bout. Juliana Miller, Miller, Veronica Macedo. I was pretty sure Macedo had just retired. She's but... now Veronica Hardy, according to Tapo. Oh, okay. Yeah. She's. Uh, uh, I don't know if that hasn't changed on Wikipedia, but yeah, her Tapology yeah. name is different now. Yeah, she's been in a long-term relationship with Dan Hardy. Oh, has she? Is that? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, congratulations to them. Yeah. Hardy uh, certainly bagged himself a very good-looking woman. Uh, she's not even as good at fighting as uh, they are. Yeah, are pretty. I would assume. Different. I would assume. Or yeah, I would assume they're married. She has. His yeah, name. but uh, yeah, they they've been together for a while, and she's been doing commentary. I think for Aries oh. or something. Well, good for her. She's branching yeah. out. I don't, I don't think the UFC career otherwise is going to go very far. Unfortunately, she's um, she just has some fundamental issues that she cannot iron out. I mean, she's she. If she's, ever there's a poster child for. What ha- don't keep your child in traditional martial arts if your goal is to have them be a professional fighter. Yeah. They would be, you know, Veronica Hardy because she absolutely is like yeah, pure Taekwondo all the time energy and cannot shift to anything else. No, she doesn't have any of the like little subtleties of the boxing game. Yeah. Or really anything. Um, yeah. No, she's... like, oh, I'm just going to low kick and that'll be, you know, I can do a, I can do a low energy kicking game that just no, is a like she can't manage. Burn. She can't manage the distance well enough to, to yeah. get away with that. She's tiny is another problem. I mean, she's, yeah. she, she, she has always looked like a pretty damn good athlete. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. No, she's fast and powerful. No yeah. question. Powerful, fast, just very dynamic in general. Uh, very agile. But she's tiny. She is incredibly inefficient. Yeah. She just like burns through all of her own energy. And part of this is the is the footwork, I think. Like um you can look at that fight with uh Bia Malecki. Bia Malecki and right from the first moment you're like, oh, she's gonna gas. Like yeah. she's doing way too much. She she has to be moving the entire time. Every shot she throws, she's covering huge distance and then scurrying back away. Like she does not have the connective tissue 
of like an actual yeah. functional striking game for for a for about where a shorter five foot two i believe uh Josian nunez yeah just went out after right after the macedo fight yeah and walked maleki down the whole time and just clubbed her with overhands yep. for five minutes to knock her out macedo was on her bike every second despite yeah. the fact that she's honestly probably a faster athlete than nunez yeah yeah i don't even you know maybe she's hard, not as hard hitting prop mostly just because she doesn't want to stand as flat-footed she, she doesn't set her feet she yeah yeah she just she has absolutely zero way against uh a reasonably aggressive fighter of just like settling down and not wasting energy. Yeah. There's no reason that she couldn't have had the exact same yeah. fight that Josian Nunes did against yeah. Maleki, but she was absolutely incapable of having that. Yeah. And she just let Maleki look like the most confident. Yeah. Swarming fighter. Maleki felt great. Even when she was, she was getting lit up at first because because uh, Veronica uh, Macedo at the time was yeah she was walking her into lots of shots like yeah. broadly she had a solid idea mm-hmm. um, it was just so clearly not sustainable and every single thing she did she had to follow up by just like running away yeah and Malik is like oh I love this like she's scared of me I can tell I'm just gonna keep walking at her um. Yeah, so like I, she just, I just don't think she's gonna win. I, I, I think she defeats herself. Well, you know what though? Uh huh. They've had a few years. I think this is just gonna be a real testament to Dan Hardy's, you know, yeah. ability, his his technical, uh, yeah, advice and breakdown skills. She's got one of the top, uh, hey. you know, technical minds in MMA right there. I, I I like Dan Hardy's analysis as long as he's not talking about another Englishman. Uh, I do, but um. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, maybe she'll get some some genuinely critical, helpful advice from him because she's not English. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> He'd be willing to tell her when something she's doing is bad. She's not English or Gunnar Nelson. So yeah, but um, yeah. I mean, the thing is, is Juliana Miller doesn't even look that good. I mean, no, she's very much like uh, she's in a more basic form of uh, Casey O'Neill, where yeah. there's a a lot of size and aggression doing all the work and her striking really makes me giggle. Like it's really goofy. She has like a sort of mummy walk stance. (laughs) Yeah. And her punches are really awkward. She's even awkward, like crashing into clinches. Usually she gets there and she's like instantly off balance uh, in that fight with Brogan Walker, like Walker just like spun her around instantly in many of their clinches. Yeah. But once she's like tied up, she's she's pretty relentless. Yeah. She um, she absolutely she's got will. that drag down blanketing kind of wrestling style. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah, for sure she is gonna get to strong positions and just slowly break Veronica Hardy. Yeah, seems likely. Hardy's also like another problem with her is that she just makes horrifically bad decisions. So Oh yeah. On the mats, she does yeah. terrible things. Um, yeah, it's 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 not even like again, it's not that she doesn't have like some skills and the athleticism to make some things work, but she just like there is no risk mitigation whatsoever in her style. So she yep. will just make very sacrificial decisions everywhere. Yep. 
Everything she does takes her further out of the fight. Miller is a huge favorite. Opened at minus 200, dropped to minus 415, currently minus 446. And Macedo opened at plus 170, or Hardy opened at plus 170, jumped up to plus 315, currently up at plus 335. All right, on that note, that wraps us up. You can find me on Twitter at TheZaneSam. You can find Connor on Twitter at BoxingBush. You can find both of us over at BloodyOlo.com. Give us a like, subscribe to our podcast over on Bloody Oak Presents on SoundCloud, YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, all those good places. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in, and we will see you guys for UFC on ESPN, Barra versus Sandhagen, going down in one week's time. Just a little reminder that you could support the MMA Vivid section, the MMA Depressed Us, and the sixth round post-fight show simply by going to patreon.com slash MMA Vivisection. With three different tiers ranging from $3 to $7, it's incredibly easy to show support to your favorite analysts, Zane, Connor, Eddie, and Phil. So if you have a few dollars to spare, please consider us. Thank you so much. ...is editorial writing. And um, doing editorial writing, there's always a question of, is there a squeeze on you? What are you, what are you going to say, you know, do, do we have, you know, financial backers who are also in bed with the UFC or Bellator, or you can't say this, and you can't mm-hmm. say that. And that's something that I always love about Bloody Elbow is that, you know, it, like, like for me, Bloody Elbow is like the only remaining blog. And that sounds like a diss to a lot of people, especially in a journalistic sense, but I mean it in the best way possible. Because I know for a fact that almost every person who makes a decision in this sport, whether it's someone from the UFC, from Bellator, from one championship, Ryzen, people who work for athletic commissions, they read Bloody Elbow every day. Every fucking day. And for me, it feels kind of like the last bastion where people can... I, I don't think it's the only good source of MMA editorial writing, but it feels like, for me, the last bastion of MMA editorial writing where people can just be honest. Thank you for tuning in to this Bloody Elbow Presents production. To check out more of our content, subscribe to our YouTube channel, which is titled Bloody Elbow Presents. We're also on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, Overcast, Player FM, and Amazon Music. Just search for Bloody Elbow Presents and you'll get brand new shows throughout the week, including Care Don't Care, the Level Change Podcast, the MMA Vivis Section, the Sixth Round Post Fight Show, Sixth Round Retro, the MMA Depressed Us, Crooklyn's Corner, Exclusive Fighter Interviews, Show Money, Guest Podcasts, The Hey Not The Face Podcast, 
and be sure to follow us on Twitter at Bloody Elbow, Facebook at Facebook.com slash Bloody Elbow Blog, and as always, on BloodyElbow.com. Thank you all for your ongoing support in our journey to take Bloody Elbow independent. Please subscribe today to bloodyelbow.substack.com. With your support, we can continue to provide you with your best source of MMA content 24-7-365. Thanks so much for listening.